Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Becky, making her full return to the show, and producer JL, John luc Shapiro is with us. Dave is off this week, uh, so a little bit of a, of a different group, rotating cast of characters now on Live from the, Live from the Blue Seats. Sorry there, a little tongue-tied. Uh, John luke you and Dave took the reins for last week's show. Thank you for doing that, as Becky and I were unable to join um, you filled in very admirably as host and, uh, really glad to have you on board in the dual role for this show, producing and hosting at the same time. So how do you do it? How do you multitask like that? How do I multitask? I have no idea. It just happens. It's, it's out of pure blind luck because I'm more than likely a moron. So <laughs> no, no, let me, let me not say that. No, it was, it was, it was easy. You know, we didn't have many, uh, intricate things to go on and we just kind of, you know, went off of how we felt and and i kind of felt like i verbally abused him a little too much i hope that he doesn't stab <laughs> me in an alleyway but i mean becky's here so i mean she, i she usually does that so but yeah no it was it was good i had a good time you know glad that you guys are back and uh we'll uh we'll keep having more shows like that glad you guys liked i thought i kind of talked too much but it is what it is uh Becky, so you're finally back full time. You were on the show a couple of weeks ago for some questions, but uh, what are you? Uh, how are you feeling? Because you know you are the resident vibe checker for the Rangers. Uh, it's one of the first questions we got way back in October, and it's kind of funny to look back on that now, four four and a half months later. Um, give us a vibe check before we jump into some of the uh, agenda items for today's show. So I think the vibes are good. Um... Very good, despite the loss the other day. I mean, they got like 51 shots, although that could be disputed to be 49 shots, but it doesn't really matter. Um, so we got goalied, and I don't think that that kills the vibes. I think that it's like, well, we just flew back from Western Canada, which, like, I don't know. I'm always jet-lagged. I get jet-lagged flying to and from Chicago, so whatever. Um, and they still came out with a ton of energy, and if they weren't playing Connor Hellebuck, like, who knows what happens, you know? So I think the vibes are great. I'm excited to watch the game later. And let's just keep keep on keeping on. Also, Tyler Mott just bringing pure vibes right back. And you knew he was coming back, too. It was like Mott was sent home with, like, like what trade reasons or whatever, trade-related reasons. And yeah. then all of a sudden I was like, Drury, please. And then literally an hour later, it was like, Mott is going to the Rangers. And I'm like, Drury, you beautiful son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was the big news from from this past week. Uh, The reacquisition of Tyler Mott and bringing him back to the place where I think we all feel like he truly belonged. Uh, JL, you were not kind of part of the Blue Seat blogs and live from the Blue Seats family last year. But we showered uh, Mott with a ton of praise. He's just one of those heart and soul guys, obviously. But uh, how do you feel about him? Uh, and and uh, you know, how happy were you to see that he had returned to the team? Oh gosh, I was I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, he was arguably outside of you know outside of the other two players that they had acquired last you know deadline. He was probably the most important player 
of that team. He was the glue on the bottom line pretty much. And he scored a sick goal. I was there in person for game six. So I was hoping that he would come back, you know, for the regular season at the start, obviously due to some cap constraints, they weren't able to do it, but I'm glad that Drury was able to rectify that. I think he, I've always kind of followed him in a sense. I seem to follow a lot of lower end players or, you know, bottom six players. Cause you can never not have enough of those. Uh, so I was ecstatic, you know, and, it, and, and, you know, Julian Gauthier went the other way, you know, it's unfortunate. He was one of my personal favorites, Gauthier, but obviously he didn't have a, a role here. You know, he's more of a skill kind of guy and the Rangers don't really need that because they're kind of stocked, you know, on the skill end of things. So getting a guy like, excuse me, getting a guy like Mott just kind of solidifies that bottom line, you know, especially the fourth line. And I think it's good. And and, and you and, and the thing I like that he said was uh, he had said that it was, you know, kind of like he knew where everything was. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. adjustment period is going to be far less than it was last season. You know, he was just able to fit right in like a glove. It's not really happening as much right now for Tarasenko. Obviously that will come in time. So I'm, I'm really happy. I love Tyler Mott. I do. I like them with the blue jackets. I like them with the Blackhawks. I like them with, uh, you know, the Canucks and uh, I'm glad he's back. Yeah. Becky, I know he was one of your personal favorites as well. So, um, I mean, you know, any, anything to add to what, uh, what JL said there, the vibes and the beard are immaculate. Um, I do think it's interesting to bring up Tarasenko. Like, I mean, I think a lot about this, for like free agents and it, I would love to get that the actual um like point of view from <laughs> this is a tall tall ask but like from a professional athlete who has come to a big market so like I think a lot about like Lindor signing with the Mets like Randall coming to the Knicks like there's there's just things I think about a lot like how long does it really take for you to adjust and it's it's a very real thing and I imagine the same thing in Toronto with Maple Leafs too um but Tarasenko does look like he look he's been looking good from the eye test I don't have any I mean I think it's too small of a sample size probably anyway for for stats but he looks more comfortable um lately so I think it was just interesting you brought him up yeah I I would agree with you I mean I think first of all it's a great point and it's just something that we like to bring up a lot you know while we have our fair share of objective stats-based analysis and takes on this show I think we're always quick to remind everybody that these guys are human beings and if you think about uprooting yourself and potentially a family in the case of Tarasenko it's his wife and three children from your home, the only place you've ever been for 11 years, coming to a, a, a much bigger market. Uh, you know, yes, maybe the media scrutiny isn't as huge here. Obviously, the Rangers don't get the coverage of the Mets and the Yankees or the Jets and the Giants and, and even the Knicks and Nets. But there's still a hugely passionate fan base. There is an active media presence. I mean, they're, you know, their press scrums are pretty full anyway, the Rangers. It's just a lot. It's a much different environment. And, and I think guys handle differently. The guy that came to mind for me, Becky, was Jacob Truba, if you want to just keep with the Rangers. I mean, mm-hmm. he had a really rough first year, and, and, and he basically admitted in the aftermath that he just could not get adjusted. It was a completely new life. He'd never really been to New York City before other than as like a visiting player. And to, to, you know, to come here, 
his wife was heavily involved in that equation, right? And that and and the decision to kind of get the trade done from from Winnipeg. Uh, so there's just so much stuff going on behind the scenes that. I mean, look, Marty St. Louis, an all-time great, came here and scored one goal in 19 games. Oh in the my regular god! Season. People were like, right. going to burn the whole fucking franchise down. Yeah. Also, sorry, I'm back, which means we're R-rated again. I'm sorry. Well, no, Dave <laughs> usually takes care of that, but his, yeah, <laughs> you know, his his cursing's lame. I would say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry, Dave. That, you know, he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but um, the yeah, I, I mean, there's just countless examples of this, and some guys do adjust, and some guys never do. Some guys never get comfortable, which is why things like fit and, and comfort matter, especially if you're going to sign a guy long term. I mean, even think of Trocheck this year. I think he's adjusted quickly. But the first couple of months, he was not really impressive. He was kind of yeah. just trying to keep his head above water and get used to being in New York and being a Ranger. Right now, I think we're seeing the full, uh, the fully comfortable uh version of Trocek and he looks like a really impressive player especially playing with Panarin where that connection seems to finally be taking off and Tarasenko they've recently been kind of united as a line and and have have had some really really good results albeit in like you said Becky a small sample so mm-hmm. Mott's back that's great news but let's talk about the fourth line just while we're on that and I think this will kind of lead us into one of our other topics which is you know what is the missing piece here for the Rangers right that fourth line as it currently stands is Goodrow and 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 Mott on the wings, but with Jake LeCision at center. So, Becky, I'll come back to you to start. Do you think Jake LeCision is the long-term solution there? And if not, you know, how does what do the Rangers do? Do they have to go out and trade for a fourth line center? Because they barely have enough cap space to add one more player, but they they probably can find a way to do it. Are you seriously asking me if LeCision is gonna be our long-term solution? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, you know, just trying to get perspectives here. I mean, most people think he's a zero and he does have zero points in 35 games or whatever it is now, but um, between the Rangers and Vegas, but no, I mean, look, I was willing to give him a chance when they claimed him off of waivers. I just, like I said, I, is that the glaring hole that everybody on Rangers Twitter says it is? I mean, yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's look, there's like a lot of, a lot of, stuff that needs to be figured out but i think that that's the solution that might be oh who knows because how much cap space do we have Nine hundred thousand, right and you yeah know, they'd have to it's a lot less than that even i think seven hundred fifty thousand. they'd have to move a player out put, right. put one i mean or we're two guys assuming on that Kravtsov is out right right like, we're assuming that he's not going to be on the team anymore and he's i think 1.75 cap something close know. to that yeah i'd have to i'd have to pull up cap friendly yeah I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a solution. I don't have an answer. So maybe John Luke is more, more adept for this question right now, but like, is Jake LeCision the answer? No, he's not. Final yeah. Answer. John Luke, what do you, what do you think? Well, just to, just to note, Vitaly Kratsov is currently at 875, 875K. So that's his current salary right now. He's a restricted free, free agent at the end of the season. So trying to move him will obviously give the Rangers a couple more, you know, a couple more pieces of uh, room and uh, flexibility. What am I talking about? A couple more pieces of room. More room on the cap, JL. Come on. Um, 
currently they have uh, uh, 748,314 in space, and the deadline cap space is just about under a million. So that being said, do I think Jake Lasition is the answer? No. Uh, do I think he's a terrible hockey player? No, because he's better than me. <laughs> but the the issue is is that as he does a lot of things right. He's fast. He can kind of win a face off here or there. And it seems like he has somewhat decent defensive metrics. And, you know, that's not terrible in its own right. But this team is getting prepared for a huge cup run. And having a guy who has zero points is not necessarily the threshold you want to keep. You know, there's guys who can get one point or two points. And that number, those numbers are bigger than one. They're larger than one. Excuse me. They're more than one. So do I think, could he be a good spare? Sure. Fine. Let's go with that. But I don't feel that he's going to be the answer. And it's very telling the other the other day or a couple of games before, you know, the, the West Coast games. And it's happened a couple of times before that where Gallant has absolutely stapled him and Julian Gauthier to the bench, rotating out Barclay Goodrow. Uh, in different areas of the uh, of the uh, team, so my 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 fix if they're not going to trade for a forward, which I don't necessarily know how they'll do it with the limited cap space they have, just call up Johnny Brodzinski. Johnny Brodzinski's a gamer. I mean, he's probably going to be up here anyways for the taxi squad, but call him up, let him get some reps in again with the boys, put him with uh, you know, let him be the Kevin Rooney of this year, except you know better speed and probably better at faceoffs too which by the way Kevin Rooney was the homie. I loved Kevin Rooney. So yeah, I don't I don't think Lesition's the answer. I think that's just kind of that that's something for like Islanders fans to deal with cuz they have nothing else better to deal with. One of the things that I I've noticed about him is I agree with you too uh John Luke and that there's some value there, right? He's clearly very quick. You know, he's a smaller guy but he 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 gets to where he needs to go very quickly. He does have good career face-off numbers. I don't know if they've kind of tanked as a Ranger. The Rangers seem to have an allergy to being like an over 47% face-off team, even with like Vincent Trocek on the team, who was like previously like a 55% face-off guy. Again, they, they only matter situationally. They, they, you know, teams have, that, that have won Stanley Cups and have had very good records throughout uh, regular seasons have had horrible face-off percentages. It's more about where they're taking place and, and what you do right after the draw, right? Do you turn a one face off into a, in the offensive zone into a scoring chance? Do you lose a defensive zone draw, but then cover it well and not give up a, a high quality chance? So it's, it's really more about your execution as opposed to the result of the thing. But right. uh, the, the thing about him that, that drives me crazy when I watch him is that he gets to the right spot and then the puck comes to him and he it like completely explodes off his stick. Like he cannot get it under control and make mm-hmm. the next play, whether that's a, a dump in or to carry it for uh, a little bit through a zone or, or to pass it to the next teammate that's open. I mean, he's one of these guys where I'm watching him and I'm like, has he completed a pass all, you know, in his 10 or 12 games with the Rangers? Like <laughs> the, he just completely wastes possession of the puck all the time. And that's where you lose value. And that's why I think to your point, John Luke, his defensive metrics probably look decent because he's not on the ice for a ton of chances against but he's not creating any at all. So, um, and, and a lot of that is because the puck, the play dies on his stick. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you talk about fourth liners that contribute, 
we always look at and, you know, Becky, this is going to, you know, uh, warm your heart. But like to me, Dominic Moore is just he's the archetype, right? Yes, he is the perfect type of he's the type of player who, like you said, John Luke, you know, two is more than zero. Don Moore would get you seven, <laughs> eight goals, nine, ten assists a year. And you'd be like, OK, the guy is 19 points, whatever. But then in the playoffs, he'll pop up with three or four goals and five or six assists. Mm-hmm. And He's playing great defense and he's winning draws and he's mm-hmm. scoring the game winner in, in game six in 2014. Just, you know, and, and I think that we can all agree that Jake LeCision just does not have that in him right now. I mean, look more when he came back to the Rangers was a veteran. He had, he'd been around the block. He knew similar to Jimmy Vesey, I think, you know, was a young player with a high ceiling that learned how to play the NHL game his way. And in a way that made him successful. Um, Lecision maybe has to go around the block a few times and really like hone in on the things he's good at. But I, I think we're, we're in agreement here that he's not the answer moving forward. So, I mean, look, that leaves you with, I mean, the Johnny Brodzinski's idea is not a bad one, John Luke, but I, I just don't think that after all of the moves that Chris Drury has made to get this team in the position it is today, being looked at not only internally, but externally around the league as a true contender, I don't think he's going into the playoffs with Johnny Brodzinski as his fourth line center. And I do think that he probably will look to trade craps off wave decision uh, and try to trade for a fourth liner that, that seems to be to me, at least that seems to be the most logical path forward. Um, and that could be someone like Nick Benino. That could be someone like Sam Lafferty has been thrown out there. Uh, one of their targets, Noel Achari came off the board when he was included in that, big Ryan O'Reilly trade. He's now in Toronto with O'Reilly. So um, there are guys out there that f- could fill that role. Uh, Nick Bukestad's another one that that has some offense to his game uh, and played for Gerard Gallant in Florida. So, I mean, there are some possibilities. Of, of those names I just uh, I would just went through, is there anyone that you guys, either of you, feel really good or really bad about? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much uh, like exciting about this. I'm sorry. Well, it's not about excitement. Who's your Dominic Moore out of that group? Dominic Moore. Well, he's retired and on TV now. Okay, well, so I he and Ryan Boyle has not retired yet, but he's not walking through that door. Uh, that would have been that would have been the the best option, Brian Boyle. I mean, but you know, he's like a year too 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 far past. I, he he was with the Penguins last year, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, and I don't don't think he could handle the speed of the current game. If I had to pick out of that crop, Sam Lafferty looks okay, you know, but I mean, Nick Bukestad, it seems to be the name that sticks out to me the most, maybe because I remember when he was drafted and I thought Mm -hmm. he was going to be a lot better than what he was. Mm -hmm. I seem to have a weird affinity for players that I see get drafted and kind of wish they were on my team, AKA Mika Zibanejad. Um, But I, I mean, it's, I wish I wish there was kind of like an obvious choice here, you know. I mean, I saw the name Derek Broussard get thrown around. Uh, mm-hmm. It might have been just that. Might have been just some just some pure speculation, or maybe just some some fan conjecture. But yeah. Uh, but I mean that 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 wouldn't be a terrible option at all if that was an actual legit option. But I'm sure there's you know salary implications and all that. But I'd have to say Nick Bukestad kid's huge sam lafferty he's pretty fast i think they kind of need a bigger guy down there I, i'd probably go Bukestad. yeah uh 
Yeah, I mean, you know, look, Benito brings with him the the sort of cup experience too. He was on those Pittsburgh teams that won two in a row, and um, you know, so I, I think he's probably the one that that I would prefer out of that crop. Um, although Bugstad's got a little bit more scoring to his game, so we'll see. I mean, that that seems to be what Chris Drury would would look to do. That would make the most sense, at least, um, regardless Wait. of some other rumors that are out there. So Broussard's cap this can't be right hold on one sec hold please are you on cap friendly i sure should am okay well that's cap hit is 750k broussard yes for one yes, year that's or right. another year for left? one year for one year wow that's interesting you know what i mean i, I maybe I think I mean, Ottawa just just scratched him too. I think I read somewhere. Well, I mean, he's not like good. <laughs> he's thirty five. <laughs> as as a fellow nineteen eighty seven child, like I can't imagine playing hockey. But then again, you know, I never could imagine playing hockey. So that's a different story. <laughs> well, yeah, that's no. well, there, maybe maybe there's an under the radar name that they might look at because that that imagine? fits the bill and. They would not have to move any money out. They could just do that and then uh, hang on to their assets. I mean, that's like that the the rede- like not redemption. That's like the TBT World Tour. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we got Jimmy yeah. VC first of all. Might as well just go and get the other part of that, you know, and <laughs> get Derek Broussard. Oh, oh might as- hey, let's get Derek Stepan here back next season. Why not? <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, don't say that. Um, yeah, where's you, Michael you, Grabner when you need him? Listen, <laughs> listen, Brass was very good as a New York Ranger. I love Broussard. Oh, yeah, he's he was their best play, playoff player. I was he indisputably. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. from a scoring perspective, at least. I wonder what Keith so, up to I mean, look, days. he'd be playing a much different role. I don't know. That's the thing, I don't know. And I, to be fair, haven't watched him you know, much, uh, I guess he was with the Islanders when they went, when they were in their playoff runs, right. The, the, those teams that made back-to-back conference finals, I think he was on those teams. Um, but Broussard's bounced around a bunch. So, um, and he does know playoff hockey, that's for sure. So we'll see that that's certainly, uh, something to keep an eye on as we, as we approach the March 3rd trade trading deadline, which is unbelievably next week. And Good speaking grief. of which we probably will do a Twitter spaces, uh, because that is what we did last year and it was a lot of fun. And I think it was pretty successful too, if I remember correctly. So uh, looking forward to that, we'll obviously have a, our usual edition of the podcast as well. Um, so one more thing I wanted to touch on one kind of uh, one last subject before we, we, we hit up the questions. Uh, and it's, it's kind of interesting because John Luke, you haven't been around obviously our show that long, but one of the things that I always sort of half jokingly complain about is that, Ranger fans always talk about the goalie too much and like, because we have to, because they're so good, right? It's with Lundqvist. And then it was just And it, the story was always the goalie was carrying them to success. And I think at times that narrative was very true. And at times that narrative was overblown, but we've certainly been blessed even going back to Mike Richter. And before that, Eddie Jockerman, there's been generations of great to generational goaltending with this team. And, and so whatever, this has always been a very goalie centric franchise. And we talk about the goalie a lot. We haven't talked about Igor Shesterkin that much this year. And that's been fine because the Rangers have had bigger problems. And then they've started to turn the season around and play better. And they require Tarasenko and, you know, they look to be uh, on a roll towards a, a cup run and everything's kind of 
moving along and, 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 and Halak kind of was the story as well as the backup. Right. So again, this is a long winded way of saying Igor Shesterkin finally became the story this week for all of the wrong reasons. Right. So he's had a really rough stretch. Uh, I've, I've read the stats a bunch. I don't have them in front of me, so I apologize if this is wrong, but I believe he's allowed three or more goals in six straight starts. And in his last four straight, he's allowed four or more. His save percentage in the last five games is, I think, like 864. It's definitely well below 900. And then a few members of the New York Rangers media beat got a little upset with the czar after he did not speak to reporters in the aftermath of the Winnipeg game on Monday night. So, yes, well, I think there's plenty to (laughs) chew on there from what I just threw out. But let's just go high level. Becky, you first. What do you make of all of this stuff around Igor recently? I think it's very entertaining that like the media is getting their panties in a bunch about. Um, about you said it, I didn't. I uh, it whatever. It's a, it's a phrase, guys. <laughs> I'm a woman. Let it go. Um, they're getting so pissy about the fact that someone is unavailable to speak but then like when it comes time to ask actual fucking questions of people they ask the dumbest shit you've ever heard in your life like (laughs) Gallant it's Tarasenko's first game Tarasenko scores a goal do you think Tarasenko had an impact on the game no he didn't have an impact on the game thanks for coming like (laughs) I understand I mean it's not on a professional level I never wrote professionally but I did write for the Binghamton University pipe dream sports section. And I know that you have to write certain number of words and you need to ask questions and the questions are the same every day and it's whatever. But like, let's like, what were you going to ask him? And it's, it's just going back to the fact that like, we talked about this before people like hockey players and athletes are humans. Yeah. They're getting paid a lot of money to play a sport, but this is their profession and their profession is also their body mind you, and their mind. And it's not like, (laughs) I don't know, I get to sit behind a desk for eight hours a day. Not the most, I guess, uh, active job, but I also don't have to worry about like stepping on one of my kids' Legos and like being out of my job and potentially out of work, right? So I think we forget that people are people and that people need some time. Like, do you think that someone who is as uber competitive as a professional athlete like the majority of professional athletes. Okay. Let's just not pretend like the majority of professional athletes don't give a shit about being great. They've always been the best. Right. Um, do you really think that this person isn't annoyed with themselves? Like, do you think Igor is like, yeah, that's, I'm doing fucking great guys. Like I'm letting in (laughs) three or four goals a game. Like when he's never done that before obviously he's upset so how about we give him like five seconds to breathe the media is there like every day literally every oh there's a practice media is there you know it's media availability all the time you don't talk to him right after a game you're going to catch him the next day or the day after a practice i promise it'll be okay but instead let's make the whole story about how igor shesterkin won't talk to the media give me a fucking break and also he who shall not be named like Stop tweeting from your mother's fucking basement. I'm so over it. Like, why are you blocked and still showing up on my timeline? I don't know. But, like, enough already. Enough. You wouldn't know class if it bit you in the ass. So, like, let's not, let's not 
pot kettle black here. Okay. The thing that bothered me the most, and then, you know, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you, JL, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue on the media side of this before we get to what's happening on the ice. Cause I think that's way more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that bothered me the most was that Larry Brooks had the gall to compare him to Henrik Lundqvist and Mike Richter. And there's just, first of all, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who I love and respect, right? I'm a Ranger fan. Uh, and, and he delivered some of the most incredible memories that I will have in my life as a Ranger fan. He's an all-time great, retired number, Hall of Famer, all that stuff. Henrik Lundqvist loves himself. He loves to hear himself talk. He lo- so much so that he is now on television for a living. That is so, so true. To, mm-hmm. to, to, to get up there and say, well, Lundqvist always, Lundqvist loved talking. Did you ever listen to a Henrik Lundqvist interview? And they were great because he loved to talk. He loved holding court. He had the fucking nickname, the King. And he held court after every game. And look, the guy won a lot. And yes, he was there after tough losses for sure. And, and he deserves uh, acknowledgement for that. But because he could process losing, differently and and use that self-confidence as uh as as some ammunition for those difficult conversations he's a completely different person than Igor Shesterkin Mike Richter very similarly gregarious right not not obviously a media personality now for a living but someone who considered running for public office uh in Connecticut a few years not too long ago it was probably about a decade or 15 years ago at this point but who 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 never turns down an interview who loves talking hockey when he's back at MSG um, these are not the same people as Igor Shesterkin. And the, and the lack of respect that that comment shows for the individual who is shouldering the burden really rubbed me the wrong way. And that was just really Bush League by Larry Brooks to kind of make that comparison. So that's all I wanted to say. John Luke, I don't know if you have anything to add. And then we can talk a little bit about Igor on the ice, which, as I've said before, is the most important part. Right. Well, like Becky said, he who shall not be named, Brooksy, would never know what class would if it bit him in the rear end i i don't here's the thing and this goes for a lot of new york publications as well and you could even see this with a lot of the older beat writers that used to write for the mets outside of like marty noble mm-hmm. um i'm currently reading a book by bob clappish and john harper called the worst team money can buy which basically is the chronicles of the 92 and 93 mets on how bad they were you know with the players that they got and this and then the fourth yada 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 the reason why i mention that is because bob clappish and john harper as much as i enjoy this book are two of the scummiest <laughs> new beat writers you can find and they're all out there brett sagralis was another one i mean oh jesus the, the, awful you know he was terrible you know, I could, you know, uh, there's so many Pat, other Pat ones. Pat Leonard does not have a great reputation. Yeah, Pat Leonard. Oh, wait, what about the guy, now. the Jets one? Manash? Manish it? Mehta. Don't yeah. even get me started yeah. on that. Yeah, that, that, uh, that I mean, he was craven. That was insane stuff. Oh, yeah. he, he, he that was like big, like UK tabloid. Portal <laughs> yeah. stalker. Yes, um, that's exactly what he was going for, though, Becky. Yeah. Great, uh, so who else? Uh, and, and, and the reason why I'm name dropping these guys is because Larry Brooks fits right into that kind of you know yeah he'll have a good thing here or there whatever uh you know but uh, rick carpinello same well, thing. that's what i meant i was talking about so, carp actually well yeah, rick carpinello yeah. you know but he's also, retired he, now yeah, yeah, yeah but unquote, he still retired. had like the audacity to be in my timeline which is very upsetting but i'm sorry go on jail <laughs> no, you're good so so you you you, you like like you were pointing out rob that lunk <laughs> 
I, I crack. I was cracking up at the notion of Mike Richter not turning away in an interview because that's. I know exactly what you're talking about. Him wanting to run for public office, but you're right though. The personalities are way different, and these New York reporters expect something, but they don't want to give the respect back, mm-hmm. and that annoys me. Mm-hmm. You know, so you want this player to act this way, but yet you're not going to give that same respect to the player. Igor Shesterkin, Russian kid. Doesn't his English is still, you know, not the best, but that's fine. He's gotten a lot better with it. He's been the rock for this team. And for basically 99.9% of the time, he's held himself accountable, even on days he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But with the New York sports media, everyone has a short memory. And it was very disrespectful for him to get compared to those two guys. And sometimes people read that and it makes them really more uh it makes them more tense with the media because then oh once you actually face the music oh how's this person going to act in front of me it's like that's the thing i you know it's kind of a blessing and a curse the new york media because you know at least for hockey purposes it's not as bad as it would be for like the mets or the jets or you know the giants or whatever but in the same token it's still kind of sucky because that same attitude carries over and also a lot of these new york media guys are gatekeepers of the sport so they feel like that they have to impose mm-hmm. oh well my high and mighty things this and that and the fourth and i'm better than you you know matt eholt when he covered the Mets, he was a perfect example of that, you know, Mr. High and Mighty over here. So it's very disrespectful on his part, uh, on on Brooksy's part. And I, I don't like the discourse surrounding that. Out of all the things that you can, out of all the things that you can touch on, that's what you want to talk about? Come on. The, well, he's not entitled to love, talk to anybody. I love that phrase, gatekeeping, by the way, because it's true. But yeah, it's, it's so true. Fair. Ridiculous. Well, and, you know, Becky, you and I, you were... Uh, we were both journalism students. I don't know about yourself, John Luke. Uh, and I, I think, but major, if you know so. anything about <laughs> media and reporting, the, the, one of the main tenets, if you're going to be a good reporter, right? Not, not columnist. And even still, you know, there's a certain way to go about writing a column and, and injecting your opinion, but doing it in kind of like a neutral fact, fact-based way uh, with evidence supported. Um, one of the main tenets, main rules is like, do not make yourself the story. And as soon right. as you say, well, he didn't come out and talk to us, mm-hmm. you made yourself the story. And look, this is just classic clickbait bullshit. Frankly, that's that's what this is. They know that fans will get a rise out of this. They know that um, it will cause their Twitter interactions to go up because people are going to start quote tweeting and retweeting and all that stuff. So, you know, I just think that that was the last thing that that. Uh, any of us needed to be experiencing on Monday night after that game. But really quickly, let's just talk about Igor. Uh, I I know what we're all going to say when I ask the question, but I have to ask the question. So I'll start with you, JL. Are you at all worried about him turning it around and getting back to, you know, something resembling what he was last year? I mean, he was so incredible last year that that's, it's an impossible standard to meet every year. I mean, he had the fourth best season ever by save percentage. So, that probably is not achievable on a year-to-year basis, but can he get back to being himself? Is is water wet <laughs> and is grass green? Of course he's going to go back to his usual self. He did it last season, and you just noted that he had arguably one of the best seasons a goalie could have. 
I think the just the issue is is you know this comes right after the All Star break. They had a week off, and if there's anything any Ranger fan should know about goalie goalies and goaltending is that goalies do better with more reps. Henrik Lundqvist was very famous at that. You know, he had one or two bad games. Then when he got into a bit of a groove, he turned into, you know, a, a wall, pretty much. Not worried at all. I mean, they're basically cut from the same cloth, pretty much. Uh, come on. I'm not. I'm not. You just you can't. Yeah. It's not like, you know, oh, uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, Dan Blackburn starting tonight. <laughs> and then, oh, next is, uh, oh, we got Mike Dunham. Oh, no, we got the corpse of Kirk McLean coming in. I'm like, no, <laughs> come on. And yes, for JL knows his history. They all did play for the Rangers in a in a yes. bygone era of <laughs> which was the black hole of yes. Ranger hockey. Uh, Becky, what do you think about it? Like, what what are you what what are your thoughts on Igor? Just top line as this about the slump he's in. Um, I'm not worried, and like I'm going to actually say exactly what Valcat said on post game the other day, which was, you know, after Monday's game, um, which was, I'd rather him be in a slump now than in the Stanley cup playoffs. Like let them get through it. They had the long break, really good point. JL, like let them, let him see more and more and more and more shots. I think you let him play through it and he'll be fine. It would be such an anomaly if all of a sudden he just stunk after being like godlike last year. And there wasn't like an underlying injury or something like that. Um, And also worth noting, like it, you know, for the mental, like there are so many people on the, the, on every sports team really, but like on the Rangers payroll who deal with everything, physical therapy, you know, physical therapists, like people who are taking care of you, nutritionists, everything like that. And then the psychiatrist or the psychologist as well. And like, it is obviously a very mental game. And I, you know, in my opinion, not basing this on any kind of fact, but feel like goalies are a little nuts in a, in a good way. <laughs> I say that lovingly, not like That's right. disparagingly, um, you know, but they're very intense in nature and, and you probably have to be if you're putting yourself in front of hundred mile an hour slap shots. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. And just one more thing that I think is worth mentioning. uh, And then we'll move on to the questions. They don't even really need him to be what he was last year. They need him to be like 75, 80% of that. They are good enough now to outscore their problems when they need to. And they are not going to be spending like they were for large portions of last year, even after the deadline. I know they got better, but they're not going to be spending 70% of the game in their own end, you know, just trying to survive long shift after long shift, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we're not going to be looking at too many, uh, you know, natural stat trick charts after games this season and seeing them, you know, giving up 80% of the expected goal. It's just, that's not how they are. They're better than that now. I know. And I, Ranger fans have a problem with that because they've been so bad at that for so long, but like, I think we have a problem acknowledging that like this team is good. Like they carry play most nights. They have more shots, and more scoring chances than their opponents on most nights. And when that's the case, you're not a goalie reliant team. And that's kind of the, the, again, the tongue in cheek reference I made earlier is like, I'm so tired of talking about the goalie. We don't have to talk about the goalie that much. Let's, let's assume, and I'm with you both that Igor gets back on track and he's playing to a, 
his 920 save percentage, right? Which is 15 points below 935, but 920 is more than good enough to win you a Stanley Cup. Um, it's not even something that I think we'll have to think about if the rest of the team is performing up to their capability. So, um, you know, <clears throat> this is likely just a blip. And I think, again, a great point as well, Becky, like let him play through it. He should play the next three, four games. You know, I know Halak has, has been really good lately, but he knows his role as a backup. He's fine with limited work. Let's get Igor, you know, four or five games in a row here to get himself right heading into, uh, into March. Um, all right. So questions. Um, I don't know who wants to read them. You know, Becky, you've read them in the past, but John Luke is producer now. What do you guys think? Hey, it's your show. <laughs> I think I'll let you guys mind, decide. I'm not, I'm not logged in. I'm, I mean, I could log in on my phone, but I can pull up the questions. No, oh, I'll do it. Okay. I got them pulled up here, but I guess before we start, I figured before we start the segment, I'll cue the goal horn. If you guys don't mind. <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear the goal horn while we pull up the questions. Okay. <laughs> so, Is there any sound better than that at Madison Square Garden? Absolutely not. Well, there is. There is. It's the song they play after the final horn. Yep. <laughs> the old timey song. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And there's there's a video on YouTube of John Amarante singing the actual yeah. lyrics of the song. It's so good. So they should play you know, that John. more often. I I would petition for that. I miss I him so think. much. Yeah, so do I. I do. God. I, I really do like John Brancy, although he did expose himself Super Bowl week. So I wouldn't take offense. No one's going to be Amarante, but Brancy is pretty good. Brancy's I wouldn't, no, I love I wouldn't mind them making him, you know, kind of like a semi-regular at this point. I think he's going to do every playoff game. Yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. <laughs> he gets that place going. Trust me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to do every playoff game. All right, so where do we land? All right, so Lou, big-time friend of the pod, Immortal Lou 30, asks (laughs) – well, he asked this on his Twitter, and then he said, I'm submitting this as my question. Wow, you're going right to it. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, (laughs) I told you. I'm just proud of us for not not broaching this subject at all today. Who did you get more tired of constantly hearing about in connection with the Rangers? Patrick Kane or Jack Eichel? And we did say his name. We have now said the name yes. on the podcast. So put it out into the ether. There yeah. we go. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, this is a tough one. I'm definitely I'm going to I'm actually going to say Jack Eichel. Because. As Ranger fans, we were in a much worse place at the time. We had a lot of uncertainty still. This team had not really come to fruition yet. And the Eichel thing felt it just wasn't coming from a place of like positivity. It felt more like desperation. Um, and it got, um, to me, it just, it reached a point of like ridiculousness with like Valakette tweeting, like the Spidey sense thing every 48 hours, which I love Steve Valakette and we interact (laughs) on Twitter somewhat frequently, but like, come on, man, that, that was just brutal. Uh, (laughs) The sign in Buffalo, that was that was pretty absurd. I can't believe that was done. I can't believe I just <laughs> mentioned it. Um, 
this reached levels. Whereas like the, the Patrick Kane thing has been longer, but it's also kind of been like bubbling beneath the surface. Whereas the Eichel thing was like super in your face, you know, look, I know we're recording this on Wednesday today. It was very in our face, the Patrick Kane thing, because some new reporting did break about his, you know, potential plans. Um, and apparently the Rangers continue at interest. If he, if he, if he would basically force Chicago's hand, that's the only way this is going to happen. Um, the Eichel thing, but other than that, this has kind of been bubbling below the surface to the point where like Chris Drury was like, I'm done with the bubbling. I'm going to go get Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm stop with this. Uh, the Eichel thing was like in your face every day over the summer and it was brutal. So I, that's my reason for Eichel. I'm going to, I'm going to say Patrick Kane because at least the, I guess maybe this just, I'm a sucker for, you know, I don't want to say adventure. I'm just kind of a sucker for like up and down moments like this. It felt like a roller coaster, so to speak with Eichel. You know, obviously, you know, he also had the injury that he was, you know, attempting to come back from, too. And there were it was just uh, I, I found it to be more. Uh, I don't want to say well-meaning. That's not the word I'm looking for. It, it was it, it. It just seemed more like a show. This just kind of seems like with Patrick Kane just kind of seems like it's like an entitled brat trying to get his way, especially after he couldn't get his way in the first place. You know, at the start, everyone's talking about it. You go on Twitter, forbid you even disagree with anyone on Twitter. Goodness gracious. How dare you have a difference of opinion? Um, some people, oh, I, I, Patrick Kane's going to do this team well. And then like, no, Patrick Kane's, you know, this, that, and the fourth, which is fine. You know, however you want to feel, you know. Do I think they need him? No. Would I be upset if they got him? No. But it just kind of seemed after a while that when everybody talked about it and Patrick Kane's, you know, oh, I only want to play for the Rangers. It just kind of seems more annoying than anything. The Eichel stuff was at least entertaining. This is just more of an annoyance, honestly. And I kind of thought we all had buried it when they had traded for Tarasenko. And I thought, well, you know, finally, goodness gracious, we don't have to talk about this plug anymore. <laughs> not, you know, I guess it's still going to be a thing because now, you know, news has come out. They're going to at least try something with it. But if it happens, whatever. But I just can't wait for it to die. And inevitably, he either gets traded or just stays in Chicago. But I'm annoyed, I'm annoyed talking about it right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm going to just say Patrick Kane, and I'm not giving any context because I want to blow my brains out talking about it. Okay. Um, and just so you all know, interestingly enough, uh, the poll still has 17 hours left, but 444 votes are in, and Kane is winning 66 to 34. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Two out of every three people. It's, But actually, no, this person responded, and I think that – well, never mind. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, Bill to Spill – Bestie John Cougar Colleen Camp says, excluding Tony, who is slash was your least favorite ranger of all time based on personal reasons. And then in parents said, wasn't ex- wasn't assuming it had to be Tony. I just wanted to remove the potential catch-all answer. This is a really fun question. Like yeah. a really fun question. Or I don't want to put either of you on the spot, but does do either of you have one like that's popping up? Well, it's funny when he says personal reasons, because I'm like, is this person like the player was was like somebody that you didn't like as a person or is it like your own personal reasons? Right. Is it like 
is this a me problem or a they problem? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going with the, it, yeah, well, right. Exactly. That's I'm, either way works. Um, I'm going to say, uh, even though I think I probably as a younger person misunderstood his situation, but uh, I really hated Bobby Holik. Um, <laughs> you know, he came over from the devils. He signed this huge contract and he was in an era, which, you know, we were kind of referring to before with the goalie carousel. I don't know how much the overlap was there, but, um, you know, this was obviously just a deep, dark, horrible period of Ranger hockey. They were one of the worst teams in the league year after year. And, you know, Holik came from the Devils. They had won all these championships and he wasn't ever a big scorer, but he was always like a, you know, 40, 50 point guy, 20 goals, you know, and he basically seemed like one of those guys who came to New York for the paycheck and didn't give a shit, just wasn't trying, didn't care. Now, I think I might have misunderstood this a little bit because I've read some things recently that were like, well, you know, he was so uh, taken aback by how poorly run the Rangers were and how like basically amateurish the organization had become. And I think he's famous for a quote he gave to the, I think probably the posts where he said, this is fundamentally speaking, the worst hockey team I've ever played for. Uh, so I can kind of understand maybe him coming from a championship program and feeling a certain way, but I can tell you as a teenager, I really hated Bobby Holik and you know, I'm still working through those issues. Good answer. (laughs) Oh boy. This is hard. Hmm. I, I, I want to say for me, it was Donald Brashear. Mm, so the reason one. why because so I, they brought him in, the rangers had this streak you know from like 2009 to like 2012 maybe 13 where they would just sign these goons for absolutely no reason now on the other on the other side of the spectrum i really love Derek bugard it's unfortunate what ended up mm. happening to him but i really did love boogie and i was like almost overjoyed when he scored his first goal as a ranger and his only his goal only goal ranger, yeah. really um yeah. but i i just could not stand uh donald brashear you know he played for the capitals i mean he he i think the in the playoff series uh the year that tortorella came in for tom reddy he did a number on blair betts and i loved blair mm-hmm. betts blair betts was one mm-hmm. of my favorites i have a you know like talking about you know, fourth line guys. Blair Betts was one of my favorites and Donald Brashear did a number on him. I think to like his face and like broke his either orbital bone or whatever. And the Rangers did nothing about it. So what was Glenn Sather's reaction to that? Oh, why don't we just sign the guy, you know, and bring him onto the team. He looked like he didn't care. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Did not provide anything. Obviously he was a goon. Didn't really fight much as a Ranger. You know, and then obviously, if you want to go back a little further, he had that skirmish with uh, Brendan Shanahan, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, a couple of years prior. So, you know, you be, it, it'll be similar to if, you know, the Rangers were to bring in Tom Wilson. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, we'd have to get over it if that did happen. But I just could not let go that the Rangers brought in, you know. Donald Brashear and to this day I, nothing personal I don't hate the guy you know if I saw him on the street I'm obviously I'm gonna say hello to the guy I could break me in two pieces if he could <laughs> but you know it's you know play wise like hockey wise I can't stand the guy I, I, I thought he was overrated I didn't think I mean he was an okay fighter there was a lot of fighters that were better than him I just think he had an advantage because he was big you know so I, I just I, I I never liked him 
And I know that's kind of a, you know, a weird answer because everyone would probably say like, oh, Wade Redden or Scott Gomez. Listen, Scott mm-hmm. Gomez put up points here his first year, you know, with Yager. He played on the line with Drury. It was Drury Gomez. And I think it was like Dubinsky or Straka or something, you know. So yeah, and Gomez did play with Yager a little bit, you know, for a yeah. while. But then I know they put Dubinsky with, y- I think. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's Gomez was fine his first couple of years. Yeah, so Donald Brashear, totally, totally useless, never liked the guy. You know, he's comes from that Flyers, Capitals cut. Good riddance. I'm glad he didn't last here long. Glenn Sather was kind of an idiot for doing that. Yeah, I think my least favorite Ranger is Elaine Vigneault. <laughs> Man, that, that was close. I thought I had one in my head, Becky, that uh, I'm surprised you didn't say. Who? They traded for him a few years ago, and it's it's your least favorite trade ever. Eric Stahl? Yes, Eric Stahl. Yeah. No, he was uh, – yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, so actual player. Yeah, but still, like, I think I hate Tanner Gloss more. But I don't really hate Tanner Gloss the person or the hockey – well, I hate him as a hockey player, but yeah. I don't hate the person. I hate Vigneault for playing him as much as he did. And I kind of hate, I guess, Sather or Gordon for not taking him away. So – I'm just going to hate Vigneault. Um, I, I will say Eric Stahl was very irritating because it was literally just a marketing ploy. And like, you think so? Rangers. Yes. Be better. Yeah. He was not. He was. I mean, he was misused, I guess, on, on the Ranger team. But like they immediately changed their hashtag to like we are family or something. It was like, so gosh, I remember that. I like, I was cringe. I'm like, (laughs) I can't believe I like want my team to fail. What does this say about me? It was horrible. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was terrible. It was just terrible. But Elaine Vigneault, just because he fucking ruined my life for like three whole seasons. And I will never forget him for 2015. Hmm? Even the cup year. Yeah. Even the cup year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they didn't win, did they? Well, no, but you didn't hate him until the following season. I didn't hate him until the following season, to be okay. clear. But, but then yeah. the hatred was real. It was, it was like Sith-like. It was palpable. <laughs> well, uh, if good question, if, though. If it, if it means anything, before we go on to the next question, I made a video. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, where it's uh what i think it's what uh it basically it's vigno says oh what uh what the players here and then what everybody else here so the first part is just you know him talking normally and then it says what everybody else hears and it's him talking again but you got the charlie brown like parent sound i mean i didn't not watch that recently so We, oh, we wow. found your channel, J.O. Oh, yeah. Oh, because of the highlight <laughs> cuts, honestly. Right. That's, Those the, are great, that's the only yeah, reason did... why people watch that damn channel in the first place. <laughs> well, hey, keep them coming because those are that's yeah. good stuff. I'll do my best. Okay. Uh, and then last, right. there's one question. And by the way, thankful we got questions because otherwise Rob would recap his uh, men's league game last night, which he did for <laughs> me in the car when I was held captive. And no one needs that. Um. I'm just kidding. I love you. Okay. Spazo? Spozo? I know he told Spozo. us how to pronounce it. And I'm like, he said Spozo on the on space on Twitter okay. spaces. Yeah. Okay. Spozo to eleven, Kevin. Spozo to eleven, comma. His name is Kevin. Says rank Drury's top five moves as GM. So don't know how we're gonna answer this because if you ask me, I'll be here for the next six hours. And honestly, I need to go to sleep. But um, 
<laughs> maybe we just each name a move that we really like and try to try to rank those. I think that's good. Yeah. I, and I, in prep, did Google. Uh, if you Google like NY Rangers transactions, you could go to a page and like Puckpedia, like well, a lot of places have it. Uh, but this counts every time they like send somebody down or call somebody up. So you're going through quite literally hundreds of lines to sort of like see all of Chris Drury's activity, right? Since he took over, um, since he took over the team. Oh, so I yeah, mine. I think it's a great idea. I think maybe we all name like one move. That's our, that's our favorite. Yeah. And then we could just kind of go from there. I know mine. I know mine. I'm going to say go. it. February 9th, 2023, Libor Hayek demoted to the minors by New York. <laughs> Finally. Finally. A move that was three years in the making. For John Oliver, we got him. Like, that's, so <laughs> yeah. that's it. That is. That really is it. Um, do you have a real one, Becky? Do you have a real like favorite? Uh, not, not yet, but I do think that uh, and it's funny because Bozo said it too, that like the the renewal or like the re-signing of um, Jimmy Vesey for what he got him for is a really, I think that's just a really clever move. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that it would have been universally liked if people weren't so fucking contrarian all the time, but like, yep. Yeah, you know, some people are like, I don't know, we could have gotten him for twenty five thousand dollars cheaper, and it's like, can you just go outside and like get some fucking vitamin D and just like smell the air because I can't, I can't with you, like I cannot with you. Um, but no, anyway, let me let me continue to delve over here. But I, I'm serious about Hayek. <laughs> uh, John Luke. Oh, I I think the uh, the trade to the trade to get Vetrano and Cop last season, and then you could probably throw. I mean, let let's say let's say all of the trades that he made last season at the deadline. You got Vetrano, Cop, Tyler mm-hmm. Mott, and Justin Braun. It 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 it's the easy answer, but knowing how it basically created an extra foundation for this team for the long playoff run that they had is key. Um, the good thing that Drury's done is he's been able to build off of that and the team has gotten better since. I thought Frank Vetrano was probably the best shooter this team had outside of Zabanajad in the playoffs last year. Um, and I think that was key for that line to be successful because obviously Panarin not really going to play with Mika and he's playing with his boy, Ryan Strom. So you keep that together. And, you know, Andrew cop was, you know, okay. You know, he helped out. It was a lot better than some of the other options. Well, that he we had he was hurt too. I mean, I loved Andrew cop. Honestly, I was yeah, really, yeah. um, yeah, I was really in on that. I thought he was just a, a perfect acquisition and he really did fit in on that wing with a uh, Strom and Panarin. Right. Um, scored a bunch of goals in the playoffs too, even playing through great. injuries. So. He was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just looking at these trades, just to remind everybody, you know, in case you don't have photographic memory, I certainly do not. Vetrano 20, uh, was acquired for a 2022 fourth round pick. Justin Braun, 2023 third round pick. So that's this upcoming draft. Tyler Mott, a 2023 fourth round pick. And then the cop deal was the big one. It was the, a sixth rounder in 23 plus, uh, or the Rangers got cop in a sixth rounder in 23 for, the conditional second, which became a first in 22, 
um, and a 2023 fifth in Morgan Barron. So, um, I mean, look, they gave up draft picks, but they got players that all tangibly helped them almost reach the Stanley Cup final. Um, and I think so. So, yeah, sorry, John, Luke, I didn't mean to cut you off. You have anything else all to right. add there? Uh, I mean, I guess you can probably say Tarasenko. Let's see how see, that works out. But, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I just, I think those trades last season, because, you know, at the time, too, people were kind of doubting Chris Drury, especially with the whole, you know, again, I'll say it, the Sammy Blay, Pavel Buchnevich trade. Um, obviously, he rectified that this year. I'm sure you'll get into that. But um, he basically put the hammer down and said, this is how I'm going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to go forward. And I appreciated that to no end and showed me that he's he's willing to try. And I'm not saying Jeff Gordon never wanted to try, but I just always felt with the you know him and Davidson that they were too passive. And I know mm-hmm. Jim Dolan probably felt the same way. So, you know, yeah, I like an aggressive GM. Especially if they're smart, and you know, he's Drury's shown me so that that those those uh, transactions last season are my favorite of his. Yeah, and I think you know I was going to say the Tarasenko trade, and it's really because looking at how they filled two areas of need on the roster, traded Sammy Blay. Like I I mean, I can't believe Sammy (laughs) Blay had almost no value. Like. It just blows my mind that he was the guy going the other way in the deal, right? To, and, and I know it's a clear cap space, and the Blues wanted to get a jump, uh, you know, on 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 trade. You know, they didn't they didn't want to, um, I, they didn't want to wait to make a deal. I think they wanted to just kind of get this over with and and kind of kickstart their retool, whatever you know, because they now and you can see kind of how this is all unfolding. Um, you know, uh, they might be in the market for Timo Meyer. You know, and so they're basically like, all right, well, let's get Tarasenko off the books, start accruing cap space, and then really make a run at Timo Meyer, right? So, um, th- there are reasons GMs do these things, but I, you know, I, the fact that Sammy Blay was in that trade, and the fact that the Rangers got two, they got first of all a legitimate star player in Tarasenko, who, yeah, having a bit of a down year, but had 82 points last year, has 40 playoff goals. I mean, this is another thing that, like, I, I think is just mind blowing. Like, we've watched in the last however many years, right? 10, 12 years of Ranger hockey, we've watched hundreds of playoff games, right? I mean, Chris Kreider's played how many playoff games? 150 or something like that. Um, Tarasenko has played in, you know, less than that. He's probably played in 90 or maybe just shy of 100. The guy has 41 playoff goals. So it's not like, and I loved him, so this is not meant to be uh, disrespectful, but Rick Nash was the, a great example of a star player who could not score in the playoffs. And they did not, that, that is not Vladimir Tarasenko. So the fact that the Rangers got that, they got a bona fide star winger who can score in the playoffs. They got a, a very solid six defenseman in Nico Mikola. I just think it's a, it's a great trade. And I think the, the, the main uh, thing that I take away from both trade deadlines, even though this one is not over yet, is that Drury, like you said, JL, he's aggressive in addressing weaknesses and he's, and he's identifying the right weak weaknesses. I think the reason that, you know, Becky, besides the uh, God awful marketing campaign, the reason the Eric Stahl trade drives so many Ranger fans nuts is because it didn't fill a need. Right. It was just a thing right. that they did for reasons. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think you're overly um, cynical when you say there was like marketing reasons to do it too. I think they were like, well, we can sell some merch with this too. So yeah that gets the okay from the big boss. And um, that's not the right reason to make a trade. 
the right reason to make a trade is like, hey, we need a, a freaking right winger who can shoot the puck. Go get Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. We need somebody better than Ben Harper. Go get Nico Mikola. Like we need more <laughs> NHL forwards on this team. Go get Vetrano and 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 Mott and Cot. Like it sounds obvious, but teams are remarkably bad at at identifying weaknesses and then being aggressive in in um in addressing them. So look, I think, Islanders. <clears throat> right. Yeah. But hey, they no one spends money on the fourth line like on their fourth line like the Islanders. So they've got three fourth lines, man. Yeah, they've got that going. <laughs> pretty, for good. Them. pretty good. Same, pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, that that uh, look, I Drury is well into the win column for me, as far as I'm concerned. I, I love the way he's managing this team. I know there's a cap crunch coming, but I do trust him to figure it out. So, yeah, reviewing um, his beginnings as GM are not not pretty, but um, you know, we all we all start somewhere or something like that. He mm -hmm. get, sending Blay back for Tarasenko is like the ultimate. I mean, I wish the trade was one for one because I just like that's just like the ultimate. It is uh, incredible. That is a you know, it's an overused term, but that was that was the masterclass trade right there. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Also, every time I'm on this podcast recently, the cat makes an appearance. So sorry if you just heard that little sneeze. Um, <laughs> I didn't detect it, but oh, well, Sophie says hi. Anyway, that's it for um for questions this week. Three really good questions. So thanks, thanks all for submitting. I have thank you all you. for your questions. So. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, we're just about done. But as always, before we wrap up, any final thoughts, JL? Um, if we end up getting he, he who shall not be named, if it happens, fine. If it doesn't, fine. But whatever. Let's go Rangers in the sort. Becky? That was like the most anticlimactic sign off ever. <laughs> You're like, fine. It's fine either way. You sound like, <laughs> like someone who's not fine. Um, I'm not, but hey, it is what it is. That's fair. Uh, nothing, just uh, mockerel, mockerel spring, mockerel summer. And I will say that when he got, when we traded and I saw that he was coming here, it happened to be like a 64 degree day in the New Jersey, New York metro area and really excited for playoff hockey. Um, yeah. Gonna felt like that was a, that was like a preview of playoff hockey. Yeah, that was that was like a dream. Um, but yeah, like let's let's up and go. Like I'm excited to see what happens with the deadline. I don't have any predictions, but I'm just gonna ride with it, and I'm pretty happy. Like I feel like we got Tarasenko, and that's a win overall. So let's focus on the positive shit and not the stuff we don't know. And you know, let's also get after it with 50 shots on goal again, but maybe a few more that actually get in. Mm tonight yeah it's a good blueprint moving forward 50 shots on goal yeah i'm gonna do two things real quick one i'm gonna answer that last question for dave as if dave were here he would have said and this is how well i think i know him his favorite drury move is the upcoming barkley goodrow trade uh <laughs> that's what he would have said uh because if you've read the blog dave is and I, i'm in agreement that goodrow may may very well be on the way out this summer to clear some cap space for uh, resigning the kids um, but no, my final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, look, big game tonight. If you're listening to this on Thursday morning, uh, in Detroit against a surging Red Wings team. Uh, but I, every, I've every, uh, you know, all the faith in the world that the Rangers will start a new winning streak, uh, you know, pretty soon. So, 
Um, you know, let's let's get Igor, Igor's confidence back to where it needs to be, and we'll go from there. But um, as always, it's been a pleasure. So uh, for JL and for Becky, this is Rob signing off, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.